You're listening to Experiential Experts by Impact XM. Tune in for insights on how to empower your brand with virtual and in-person events and start making an impact today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Experiential Experts podcast. Looking forward to an amazing show today with Courtney Stanley. If you attended Impact's Rethink last year, you probably heard Courtney's session, Let It Burn So You Can Rise. Courtney is a globally recognized award-winning entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and event MC, and is creator and host of the podcast for leading women in business, Dare to Interrupt. Courtney has spent more than a decade helping professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations engage in game-changing, impactful conversations that empower individuals to tap into their true potential, improve team and culture dynamics, and drive meaningful change. With a background in experience design, leadership studies, and business strategy, Courtney empowers people from all walks of life to lean fiercely into the power of leading with empathy, advocating for themselves and others, and seizing silver lining opportunities to grow personally and professionally. Her mission to inspire ambitious professionals through vulnerable, meaningful dialogue has resulted in changed behaviors and altered approaches to leadership all across the world. Courtney, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Your session at Rethink was truly one of the most highly requested sessions post-event. So I know there are just tons of great topics we can uh, dive into together. So really excited you're here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Holly. And that feedback just makes me smile so much. I had a great time presenting for your conference. And it just, it always feels so good knowing that your message connected or maybe empowered or helped somebody along the way. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, you definitely resonated with the audience. So I want to start off with hearing a little bit about your background because you've become such a powerful and inspirational voice for other professionals. I want to know how you found your passion. So I think if you were to look at my career path, it would definitely be a bit of a zigzag because I think each experience helped to build my skill set in different ways that prepared me to end up leaving my previous job and going off on my own as a full-time entrepreneur. So super grateful for the rocky ride that the past decade has looked like in my career journey. I stepped into the events industry with great intention. I was the person that really wanted to be the planner and producer behind the scenes at the big, sexy award shows like the Grammys and the Emmys. And so I played in the world of events as a planner for a few years and then decided that I was really interested in PR and marketing, which is where a lot of my uh, business strategy and PR strategy, that background comes from. And I think throughout my career path, my passion came from really connecting with people. So I have always loved to hear people's stories and learn more about them. I think I am a very curious person. So that's where a lot of the interviewing, moderating MC passion came from. You know, I loved being a mentor throughout my career to people who are maybe even just a couple years younger than I was. And I've realized that I could actually do that full time and monetize it by becoming a coach and also becoming a speaker where I could just share those lessons that I've learned along the way and hopefully be able to empower and inspire the people around me. Your experience in the event industry, I think, will connect with our listeners. Most of our listeners are from the event industry as well. Um, so when it, when we're talking about your passion, and then we also from your rethink session heard a lot about 
plot twist, which has pretty much been the story of our lives since 2020 in the event industry. Um, but it's tough. It's hard right now. Um, you know, companies are rebuilding, vendors are rebuilding. And so we've taken a tough job and we've made it even tougher. So from your perspective, if event managers and event professionals have kind of lost that passion for their industry, which if they've toughed it out since 2020, this is a passion for sure. But if they've lost that spark, how can they revive themselves mentally? I think it's important for people to understand that you only ever really see the tip of the iceberg, right? When you see somebody pop up on camera, do an interview, listen to a podcast, see them on stage, you're not seeing a lot of the struggle. And I think I definitely can relate in terms of feeling overwhelmed, burned out, even a little bit lost. And what really helped me, especially at the beginning of 2020, when I was sincerely questioning why I would ever leave a comfortable, I'm going to get that paycheck every other week type of environment to working in the events industry on my own. And it was just such a scary time to do that, especially financially with everything being so unstable. So when I was going through that time, and it really was difficult in terms of being able to understand where things were actually going with our industry and my mental health was suffering. I realized a couple of things. And one thing that really helped me was understanding what the purpose of my work was. So really getting back to that mission or that why was critical for me. Because what I realized was all of the tangible things like contracts, income, clients, all of those things that you get excited about that feels like a safety net when you go out and take a risk like becoming an entrepreneur, those things were no longer in my control at that time. The industry was swinging its own way. I had to kind of navigate where I was going to go next. And so when everything tangible had been stripped away and it was completely out of my control, I had to take a step back and say, okay, if all of the really shiny things that I was drawn to in the idea of becoming an entrepreneur, like flexibility, freedom, control over my income, unlimited potential, all of those things, if all of those things were taken away, what actually motivates me to do this work? What's the real reason why I decided to quit my job and do this? And when I thought about it, it really boiled down to my desire to spark meaningful conversations that inspired and supported and empowered the people around me. And I couldn't put a dollar amount on that. And that was something that was fully in my control. And that really gave me a lot more focus and a lot more motivation to take steps forward and to stop questioning my reality and what I was actually going to do next, but just to start really implementing that mission in the foundation of everything that I did every single day was essentially to serve the people around me. So that's one thing I would suggest is to really get back to your mission and dig deeper beyond, you know, what you love about the job specifically, but why are you actually doing it? What was it that at one point brought you joy and excitement? So that's one thing that I would say, but then I would also say that I had to also recognize that if I wasn't in a great state mentally and emotionally that I was not going to be able to actually pursue that mission that was really important to me. And there were definitely moments where 
I would wake up and I would be crying because I had no idea what I was doing and I felt really lost. And I would reach out to my support network and lean on them, which was critical during that time. But I also realized that I wouldn't actually have the right level of energy to pour my cup into other people's if I wasn't investing in pouring into my own cup first. So I started to really focus on doing things that brought me joy. And I would make my to-do list every single day joy-focused. So the little things, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but the little things like journaling or reading or just lighting a candle or making my favorite coffee, just spoiling myself every day, having conversations with people that brought me energy instead of draining that energy. All of those things compounded into momentum to be able to move forward and be able to serve the people around me. So if you feel stuck, start looking at opportunities for you to bring more joy into every single day to be able to give you that momentum to move forward and serve that mission that you once maybe were really clear about and certainly passionate about. I think that's really great advice. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? So if you don't have that energy and that joy left, then how can you serve others? And in the events industry, that's what we're here for. We're here to make sure that these events that we're putting on for our clients and that marketing managers are putting on for their teams, that these go flawlessly. And that's our passion is to make sure that these events are a huge success. So that's a great takeaway. Um, and, you know, mental health in general, I think, is something that slowly but surely we as a society are becoming more comfortable and more open about discussing, which I think is so important. And one thing right now in our industry is, you know, we're, we're tired. People are tired. They're, they're burnout. They're working harder than they've ever worked before. Um, and mental health and work-life balance are a hot topic right now. What are your suggestions, you know, in the events world, the show goes on. We don't unfortunately get a break just because we're tired and we need that mental health break. The show dates or the event date, that's not moving for us. So what are some of your recommendations for balancing work and life when it truly does feel impossible? You know, you really feel like, yes, I need a vacation, but I just can't take a break in the near future. Ooh, that is a really important question. And I think, first of all, if you are somebody who is feeling really burned out and you just don't feel your most stable right now, the first thing that I want to say is that you're definitely not alone. I think especially for my event professional friends, we've been through a lot over these past few years. And so if you feel like you just haven't had a break, um, first of all, you deserve one. So let's make time for that when you actually can. But I think it's really, it's really difficult to find work-life balance if you're not in the right environment. And this might not be the most traditional answer that people would give. You know, there are lots of tactical things that you can do every day. And it kind of gets back to that joy-based, um, you know, doing those joy-based, uh, tasks every day for yourself to help fill that cup. So you could, you know, exercise and meditation, like you're a Google away from finding a lot of really tangible things that could be really helpful. But if I were to zoom out for a second and I were to ask you, are you in an environment that supports good mental health? That's a really important question for you to be able to answer because there have been times where I have not been in an environment that supports the well-being of their team. 
And if you don't have a stable, supportive environment that you're working in at least 40 hours a week, then it's going to be much harder for you to be able to balance your work life because you're spending so much time around people who are making it very difficult to do so. I will also say that we are living in a time where there are two jobs open for every one candidate. So if you've been in an environment that doesn't necessarily support your needs, look elsewhere. And that might sound really scary to people who have been in, you know, this particular office or this workplace for a decade. But I would suggest that you stay open-minded to the possibility that there could actually be a really great fit for you elsewhere where you are working with and for people who support your needs and prioritize your needs so that you can actually show up the way that you want to show up when you're on site or when you're in the office or even working from home. So non-traditional answer, but based on my own experience, those great environments and those awesome leaders are out there, but you have to be willing to look for those spaces and open yourself up to the possibility that there could be something better for you. Outside of that, again, so many things that you can be doing, but you have to prioritize that time every single day, getting up a little bit earlier to meditate, to journal, to set yourself up for success for the day, giving yourself to wind down, making sure that you're actually prioritizing your own self-care and self-love it as, you know, as a woman. And, you know, seeing a lot of my friends, women, I think struggle a lot with this piece because, we're constantly nurturing and serving the people around us and not to generalize, but that's a lot of what I see. And I just see a lot of heavy loads that women carry on their shoulders. And I think a lot of times we put ourselves last. So if you are somebody that puts yourself last consistently, take that time to be intentional around creating moments that really do serve you so that you can serve those people that you love and care about so much better. Love it. And along the same lines with mental health and the events industry, I have been hearing a whole lot lately about imposter syndrome when it comes to our industry. And my thoughts are, you know, perhaps because to be successful, um, we as event managers often feel this intense need to be perfectionists. You know, everything has to go exactly as we have it planned and as we have worked so hard leading up to this event for it to be. But why do you feel that we're seeing more and more imposter syndrome in high achieving professionals? You know, what's really interesting, Holly, is I was doing a bit of research on this before our conversation. And it turns out that for a lot of people, for most people, the more successful you are, the more you suffer from imposter syndrome which is so ironic because so for the audience, imposter syndrome essentially is when you are perfectly skilled in your area or you're skilled enough in your area, right? Like you have done the work, you've earned your stripes, you have been successful. However, you still feel like a fraud. So you feel like somebody's going to find out that you're not actually, you know, who you say you actually are. So 
it's really ironic that the people who have earned their stripes the most are the ones who feel the most like they're going to be found out and seen as a fraud, like they're not actually as successful as they are. And I think a lot of that does come with you know, achieving those really incredible goals. So, you know, the higher you reach, and I think we, we blow ourselves away a lot of the time. Like when we do hit those goals, it's like, holy cow, I was actually able to accomplish that because I did work so hard. But you're also putting yourself in that vulnerable position of success where you just hit that benchmark or that success level that you didn't necessarily know that you could achieve. So it's going to take a minute to actually settle in and really believe that you earned that success. And again, you know, I totally understand and relate that a lot of event professionals are perfectionists. You know, you want to, you want to achieve uh, the highest goals that you have and you want to do it perfectly. And obviously perfection is impossible to achieve. So I think we're always looking for that cherry on top with our success that isn't necessary, but because we don't have that cherry on top, we're feeling like we're lacking something or like maybe we aren't good enough or don't belong. Yeah. Which I think can tie into the burnout, you know, constantly trying to reach higher and higher. Um, you know, that all ties into the mental health. So stopping and really feeling grateful and proud and, you know, taking the time to do these self-care, self-love activities, whether that's going for a walk or like you said, journaling. I think that's so important because it really all ties together with just being in a healthy state of mind and then being able to go out and do your job and actually enjoy it and be the best that you can be. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, what do you think that we can do to alter this perception of ourselves? How can we get out of that state of mind and move away from that. I think one of my greatest passions as a person and also as a professional is to help women overcome imposter syndrome. I unintentionally fell into confidence coaching for professional women because I had been mentoring so many women who would come and ask for advice in feeling like they needed some help and just being more confident and struggling with that imposter syndrome. And these were all women who were phenomenal. They were all women who had done such great things in their life, not just in their career, but in their life. And they were just really quality human beings. And it broke my heart to hear these women talking about themselves in a way or just sharing what they were struggling with, where they didn't see themselves the way that I saw them or that other people who really admired them and felt inspired by them saw them. So empowering women to overcome imposter syndrome has definitely been really one of the most foundational parts of my mission to serve the people around me. And a couple of pieces of advice or exercises that I'll go through with the clients that I coach is I will, first of all, have them objectively define their success. So this means that in black and white terms, what have you accomplished writing a list of the achievements that you've had in your professional life or in your personal life as well that are very obviously true and can't be considered something subjective. So things like education, professional development, jobs that you've had, experience, promotions, um, even let's say for on the personal side, you know, you ran a marathon a few years ago, like being able to actually write down the facts and look at that on paper gives you the opportunity to say, Damn, I've done a lot. 
And sometimes we need that. Even people who don't consistently struggle with imposter syndrome need that reminder to say, wow, I have accomplished a lot because I worked really, really hard and I'm proud of myself. And I think a lot of times we don't take the time to celebrate the wins. We're so busy grinding every single day, trying to please and serve everyone around us. And especially for achievers, always reaching for that next goal. A lot of times we forget to look in the rearview mirror and just take a breath and pat ourselves on the back and pour ourselves a glass of champagne. So I would say, first of all, objectively define your success, write it down, reflect on it and pour that glass of champagne. Second to that, I would say a lot of times imposter syndrome has nothing to do with the people around us, but it's a, it's an internal conflict that we struggle with. And that internal conflict can be defined as your inner critic. So it's this voice that is telling you lies, that's questioning your credibility, that's telling you that you're not good enough. So let's capture that moment when your inner critic becomes a little bit loud, journal it write it down, write down exactly verbatim what that inner critic is saying to you, and then read it back to yourself and ask the question, is this actually true? Can I actually find evidence that proves that what this inner critic is saying is right? And most times, absolutely not. There's no truth to a lot of the lies that your inner critic is telling you, but it's coming from a place of doubt, of fear, and of insecurity. So if we're able to take a step back, hit pause, acknowledge when that conversation is happening, and then address and challenge it, being able to silence that inner critic becomes more of a habit. Every single time it pops up, you may not have to write it down, but you may just say, oh, I hear you, girl. And that is not true. And keep it moving forward. A lot of these exercises will compound over time. And eventually that doubt turns into self-belief. And I am a huge believer that self-belief is truly the root of a lot of your happiness, your joy, your success, and feeling fulfilled in your life. What do you feel about social media? Because as you are talking more and more about imposter syndrome, what's really coming to my mind is you know, the highlight reels of what we see on social media. You see the best of the best. And I think a lot of, you know, women, especially when you bring up women, whether it's in business or in the home, um, you know, just in general, seeing someone else's highlight reel, I think can really kind of get another person down on what they feel is their highlight reel, you know, comparisons, constant comparisons. What are your thoughts about social media, taking breaks from social media or the time spent, you know, just in general? I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Social media can be super toxic and it's a total facade. Again, we're looking at that tip of the iceberg of somebody's life and we're not actually able to peek behind the curtain and see what's really going on. The struggle that every single person has, everybody has a story, everybody has a struggle, everybody's failed, but we're not often seeing that. And what's really interesting to me is that we, we suffer from this comparison syndrome when we're looking at social media. But if you look at social media strategy, the most successful social media influencers or accounts are the ones that are more authentic, the ones that actually step up and say, 
okay, here's the tip of the iceberg that you're seeing. And now let me give you the full story behind it. And because that's so relatable and that's so human, people appreciate that so much more because it's like, oh, I can take a breath. I realize that not everything is perfect and good for them for being able to achieve what they did, especially given the circumstances of their story. So I think reminding yourself and really finding those accounts on social media, if you're an active user, find the accounts that are more authentic and follow those ones. Anytime that you see a post that triggers you or you find yourself maybe looking at somebody's account that's always posting those really shiny moments and it doesn't make you feel good, unfollow them. Stop looking at their content. And if you need to take a break from social media altogether, do it. Set a timer on your phone where the app tracks the amount of time that you're spending on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever so that it shuts you out of the app after 30 minutes per day or whatever's healthy for you. But you are in full control of the content that you consume when you pick up that phone. So if you're able to identify the moments where you feel less worthy than you actually are, then filter that content, get away from it because it's not, it's not real. That's really great advice. And that brings me back to something from your rethink session. When you discuss verbalizing your value and this really spoke to me, I think that it connected with a lot of our audience as well. Um, but you know, you talk about the difference between proving your value and proving your worth. Can you tell the audience a little bit about the difference and why we need to or why we might want to prove our value. So I'm going to take a step back and I want to define the two words, worth and value, because they mean two very different things. So your worth, your self-worth is something that doesn't need to be earned. So you're every single person on this planet has worth. Every single person is worthy just because they exist, right? Like you have so much to give the world. You, nobody can ever take that away from you. And it's never something that you ever have to prove to anybody. That is, I think, a really critical part of having a healthy level of self-belief is understanding that you're worthy as you are just because you exist. Now, when we talk about your value, we're talking about it more in a professional sense. So what value do you deliver to an organization, to a team, to your clients that makes their world better, that improves their current situation, that solves any pain points or problems that they need to address? Your value is what you bring to the table in an office space. So let's just put it that way. So it's really, really, really critical that we're able to define what we actually bring to the table because visibility is one of the key factors and variables in being successful. If you are not seen, if your work is not seen, if you're doing work behind the scenes that nobody's actually able to really look at, then you're not able to actually advance in your career as efficiently as if you were delivering your value in an open way where people can really see it transparently. So one exercise that I love working with my clients on is their elevator pitch. And what I like to do with people is work with them one-on-one -on -one in a way that steps away from the, this is what I do for work, and this is who I work for, and that's my elevator pitch. 
we literally will learn nothing about you in that elevator pitch if you focus solely on what you do from nine to five for an employer. Understanding the skills and strengths and life experience that you have on a deeper, more personal level and bringing that into the professional space with confidence, building a pitch that actually truly highlights you as an individual and as a contributor a contributor, that's going to make a huge difference in how people see you and also your ability to showcase your unique value that you bring to that team. So working through this process of really crafting a pitch that's purposeful and unique and individualized is going to get you so much further and you're going to become way more memorable than somebody who just steps up and says, this is what I do from nine to five and then does the work behind the scenes. Again, if people can't see what you do, it's going to be very difficult for them to think of you or for you to come to mind when those promotions arise. So as leaders, you know, as when we're maybe leading a team um, over an event or in planning, what can we do to make sure that our team is feeling that that worth that they're or that value that they're bringing to the table. I love that question, Holly, because I feel like a lot of leaders miss this mark. So, and I think that's I mean, it is what it is, but I think this is such a great opportunity to course correct truly one of the top reasons why employees walk out the door is because they don't feel valued. And a lot of times that comes down to the care and the attention and the treatment of the manager. So as a manager, as a leader, finding ways to really get to know your people better is the first step. You can't look at your team and think that every single person has the same needs or has the same priorities or has the same skills just because they're in certain positions. So taking the time to actually sit down with every single individual and have those conversations around what drives them, what motivates them, what type of feedback do they actually prefer and what resonates with them the most. I love to encourage leaders to look at the five love languages, which often we use in personal relationships, but translating those into the workplace and getting to know each individual on a more personal level where it's like, hey, are you a words of affirmation person where you really do benefit from hearing great job, amazing contribution, let's do it again tomorrow. Like, is that the type of feedback that you need to receive? Or would buying you a scented candle make your day? Like just getting to know each person on an individual level like that is a really great start. And then listening to that feedback and taking the time to implement it will make that person feel so much more seen and heard and valued as an individual member of that team. So that's something that I think is really simple to do. Just setting up those check-ins and understanding them as a human, what drives them and what are they most afraid of? Those two key questions are going to give you so much more insight into how you can better serve that person. And that, I promise you, if done well, will actually keep that person around much longer. And it'll also encourage them and empower them to invest more of themselves into the team and into the work. I think that's a great takeaway from a client service um, perspective as well. You know, the more that you are actually getting to know your clients, and like you said, the small things that matter to them, their love language, sending them that handwritten note or a personalized phone call or a small gift, you know, 
I think that speaks volumes and that actually builds a meaningful relationship beyond just, you know, signing a contract and doing a job together. You start to really understand each other. And I think that's a really healthy aspect of a client service relationship. So that's something you can take into a lot of different areas in your life. Absolutely. So you have given us so much great insight and advice today. I just want to kind of end on if you could give one piece of advice to those in our industry that would reignite their passion if they're really feeling exhausted right now. What do you think that that one best tidbit that they can walk away from this conversation would be? That is such a great question. And I think for this, I would say get back to really understanding and defining what brings you joy. It is such a game changer to actually intentionally schedule time and activities that will make you a happier, healthier person. So if I could, if if anybody could walk away from today's conversation doing one thing, I would say identify five things that bring you joy and implement them into your week as best as you can. Make time, carve it out in your calendar and allow yourself that opportunity to feel better. And there, you know, I know we talked a lot about reigniting your passion and getting back to your mission. And those are all really important things, but there is nothing more important than your mental health. So let's start there. We're also going to play a quick game. I know I didn't tell you about this ahead of time, but I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit um, personally. So we're going to play this or that. I'm going to give you two options and you're going to pick one of the two. Okay, let's do this, Holly. (laughs) All right. We're going to start out easy. Book or movie? Movie. Island or mountains? Island. Very true. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Text message or phone call? Oh, text. For sure. Even better voice note. Team leader or team player? Oh, team player. For sure. Team players are easily team leaders, but team leaders can't always be team players. My last one is Impact XM or the other guys? obviously impact XM. Let's be real. Courtney, this has been so much fun today. I have so much that I would love to continue to dig in with you. So we might have to schedule a session too sometime. But in the meantime, if our audience would love to connect with you, can you tell them how they can find you? Absolutely. So if you are taking a social media break, we'll see each other in three months. But if you're not, then you can find me at Courtney on stage on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, TikTok is coming eventually, but I'm continuing to push it to the back burner. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I am a huge LinkedIn user. So just Courtney Stanley, I snagged that URL years ago. Um, So definitely connect with me there. I would love to know who tuned into the episode. Send me a message, send me a voice note. That's always fun too. And you can also check out my website, Courtney-Stanley.com to learn more about my services, keynote speaking, event emceeing, coaching, and moderating. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Courtney. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Holly. This has been so fun. Have a great day, everyone.